Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I want to welcome you to the April 24th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. Tom Guinan is going to recap the corn and soybean markets for us this week. Thanks, Cheyenne. Please note, we're now following the July futures for both cash corn and cash soybeans. July corn lost 3.5 on Friday, finishing at 3.23, which is down 6.25 for the week. December corn lost 2 on Friday, ending at 3.36 and 3 quarters, and that's down 6 and 3 quarters this week. July soybean futures were down 7 at the close, ending at 8.32 and a quarter, down 10 for the week. November beans lost 6.5 on Friday to close at 8.41 and a half, and that's down 9.5 from last week. So for our big story this week, once again, we're going to start by talking about the energy sector. I've heard the words unprecedented and historical used many times this week with regards to crude oil. It all started on Monday with the expiring May futures contracts on West Texas Intermediate trading below zero. Reading many comments from people that have been trading commodities for a long time, very few, if any, realized that this was even possible. Basically, the issue revolved around an entity that was long this particular futures month and had no ability to take delivery of the physical commodity. Also, since the official storage facilities were also full, they couldn't store it either. So they had to buy their way out of their contracts. By trading negative numbers, they were, in effect, paying someone to take their obligation off their hands. The rest of the week was a continuation of the roller coaster ride that crude has been on for a while now. As the May contract expired Tuesday afternoon, all eyes shifted to the June contract. On Tuesday, it hit a low of 6.50 per barrel before closing that day at 11.57. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday were all positive, and at the time of this recording, it was trading around $17 per barrel. That is still an awfully low number, especially when you consider that just two months ago, it was trading around $55 per barrel. With that, let's move on to the bull bear factors. Well, Cheyenne, it's tough to be on the bull side of the fence when it comes to corn right now. But one thing that boosted the corn markets late in the week was a Newswire report about China wanting to increase their reserve stocks of corn, soybeans, and cotton. There is still time this year for U.S. corn to be competitive relative to South American corn, so the U.S. has the price advantage if China does buy corn in the next four to six weeks. The only other potential bullish item for corn is this rebounding crude oil of about $10 from the low. But, like you said earlier, 17-ish per barrel is still a historically low number. So for corn bear factors, we're switching corn export shipments to the bear column this week. They came in at only 26.9 million bushels, well below the lower end of expectations that ranged from 33.5 to 51.2 million bushels. Not only was this the lowest export shipment in 11 weeks, but it also fell behind the needed pace of 40.3 million bushels per week to meet USDA's projections. And yet another week with lower ethanol production, down to 166 million gallons last week. To give you a comparison, last year's production for the same week was 308 million gallons. This works out to a difference of about 49 million bushels. This week's ethanol production equates to an annualized rate of only 8.63 billion gallons, which is about half of the U.S.'s total annual production capacity. We also heard an announcement on Thursday of two very large ADM plants in Cedar Rapids, Iowa and Columbus, Nebraska, curtailing their dry mill operations for up to four months. And finally, ethanol stocks were also up again last week by 9 million gallons to 1.163 billion gallons. 
While this is still an increase, it's the smallest one we've seen in four weeks. Overall, ethanol stocks are now nearly 208 million gallons larger than the same time last year. As far as soybean bull factors, U.S. soybean export inspections were at the top end of the market expectations last week at 19.8 million bushels. That's also up about 2.5 million bushels from the previous week. We did have some market news this week about an old crop sale of 10 million bushels to China, so while sales remain low, they are still happening. While we're lagging the 26 million bushels per week number needed to meet the USDA's projection, cumulative export inspections are up over 6% from last year's 1.14 billion bushels and we're now at 1.209 billion. Soy meal exports are also promising for the soy market, surging to a six-week high and the second largest of the year last week. This is due in part to several months of lower-than-expected Argentinian meal exports from wheat-crushing margins and light farmer selling. So our bear factors on soybeans. Brazilian soybeans remain the cheaper export option for Chinese buying, currently being offered at 14 cents under the U.S. Gulf for May. While this does narrow to only a 3 cent difference in June, the Chinese were still booking Brazilian soybeans through July as of this week. While soy meal export inspections were strong this week, export sales, remember the product that has not yet been shipped to its destination, are 8.5% below last year's pace at this point in the marketing year. Overall, there are also ongoing logistics issues for many exports due to coronavirus concerns. Constant regulation shifts and potential container shortages could present upcoming problems for the export market. On our what to watch for in upcoming events, planting progress is ahead of last year, and the weather forecast remains favorable across much of the Corn Belt. As of Sunday, corn plantings were 7% complete nationally versus 5% last year and the five-year average of 9%. Looking at Iowa, Iowa's currently 4% complete versus last year at 1% and the average of 2%. Mother's Day is Sunday, May 10th, traditionally the day with the largest volume of phone calls in the U.S. You have to wonder if those will be replaced by more interactive technology this year, like Google Hangouts or possibly Zoom calls. The next WASDI report is going to be released on Tuesday, May 12th. By that time, we'll have a much better feel for planting progress and a feel for any switch takers. And finally, May 25th is Memorial Day. We wonder what things will look like by then. Will we be able to have family gatherings, picnics, reunions, or whatever your normal tradition is for that last weekend in May? With graduation ceremonies canceled across the U.S., perhaps this will be the first chance to be around extended family for many. And now Tom's take. As Cheyenne mentioned earlier, it's been an interesting week with historic unprecedented events. That got me to thinking about the year of 2020. What a year, and we're not even four full months into it yet. Think of the things we've all had to learn, like the proper way to wash your hands and social distancing. Who would have thought four months ago how quickly our individual worlds would change in such a short time? I remember when I was young and I saw the word quarantine in a book. I had to ask my mom or a teacher what that meant. I thought, what a strange concept, without any concern that perhaps one day I'd see an entire world in quarantine of some sort or another. Talk about historic times. Another thought I had was a saying that I've kept in my desk for quite a while. You can't fax a handshake. You can't email a pat on the back. Some things are just better in person. I've thought about that from time to time the past month or so. I guess we're going to have to settle for alternate ways to interact with people outside of our immediate families for now. One last thought. Based on the information we're seeing and hearing, it sounds like much of the state of Iowa, at least in the Landis footprint, is getting planted and in a big way. Most reports are saying that the ground has rarely worked this well. This is the best news I've heard in a long time. We all know that farmers needed a little dirt therapy, and it's good to know that for the most part, things are going very well. 
but I wouldn't be me if I didn't point out the concerns this raises for harvest. Assuming we don't see a lot of replanting and we have a decent, normal weather pattern the balance of the year, it's hard to get overly excited for prices to rebound a lot between now and then, especially without some sort of significant increase to demand. Just keep an eye on prices, push a pencil when you get some time, and make some plans for marketing your new crop bushels sooner rather than later. I know that I and my team are anxious to be able to reconnect with you again, and we look forward to that time when we can see you again and give you that pat on the back you deserve for all the hard work you're doing now and throughout this year and every year. And that's all we have for you today. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at LandisCooperative.com. Our tagline is bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you again next week. Mm-hmm.